you were to talk to any random child out there, the number one thing that they're excited about is what? Yeah, Christmas. I mean, any child that you talk to is thrilled about Christmas. And I remember as a child, it seemed like December was the longest month of the year. I don't know if, you, if you're with me, but I mean, it just felt like any other month, it just kept moving. But December, it was like this slow, horrible month, and we could never get through it. And, and I distinctly remember my two brothers and I, uh, we always had this like tradition in our family growing up. We, uh, the night before Christmas, on Christmas Eve, we would all, you know, sleep in one one of the kids' bedrooms, you know, and it was, we had this whole idea that we were going to keep one another up so that we could make sure that one of us would see Santa, you know, I don't know if any of you had this same kind of thing, you know, but like we would like just work so hard to make sure and our parents kept coming in, you know, like, you know, every 10 minutes, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed, and you know, we would stay up and my brother swears that one time he was awake and he saw Santa, you know, and me and my other brother were like, are you kidding me? Like, no way, you know, and and I remember it. I mean, I I have so many distinct memories growing up, and every kid on the planet, they can't wait for Christmas to come, and and our kids are no different in our family right now. In fact, they are in full anticipation of Christmas. Every single morning, Elijah asks me when Christmas is going to be here. He's like, so how many more days do we have left? You know, he wants to know, like, so how long is a day? And so I've had to, like, break down the whole, like, how long was a minute, how long is an hour, you know, how many, how long is 24 hours? And then then I had to break down the whole week system, month system, all of that, you know. I mean, he wants to know when is Christmas coming. And Gigi, I mean, she has no understanding of time. Every single night before we go to bed, she's like, tomorrow's Christmas. And we're like, no, it actually isn't tomorrow. Um, But that's okay, you know. And she wakes up and she thinks Santa's going to be there. And, you know, I mean, we're trying to figure out, like, if what we need to do for Christmas this year is buy them, like, watches and calendars. I don't think they would think it's cool, but it might help them better understand time. And so I got tired uh, a couple weeks ago of trying to explain to them when Christmas was coming that I, I had to find my inner Martha Stewart. And I actually created them an advent calendar. And uh, this, this was my, uh, I don't know if it's up on the screens, uh, if you can see it. So so yeah, so this is my crafty self. This is as good as it gets. And, uh, and so I created this little advent calendar that hangs on the wall of our house. And every single morning, they are so excited to come running down the stairs and open these little boxes that have the numbers on them. And I mean, I went to the dollar store and there's like silly little trinkets in there. Like today was like a candy bracelet, you know, but they were like, candy bracelet, woohoo, you know, and, and they're so excited about this. And, and it's something to anticipate every single day. They love it. And mostly, I I think they anticipate it because, you know, something good is inside of the box. You know, if I put nothing inside of the box or if I, like, had a sheet of paper that said, like, make sure today you clean up your toys, I mean, it would be over. You know, I mean, they would not be anticipating the box the next day. It's the first thing that they want to do in the morning because they know that something good is inside. I, I, I mean, the thing is, is that we anticipate things that are great, don't we? We look for things that are exciting, and there would be nothing exciting if there was nothing in there. There would be nothing to anticipate or hope for if it was empty. And we tend to be the same way, sort of. We don't go looking for something that we don't want. And we all want something this Christmas. 
We all want something this Christmas, every single one of us. We all still sort of have our grown-up Christmas list, but we don't tend to, like, publicize them on Facebook. We don't, like, make them our status updates. You know, we, we don't necessarily go out there and say, like, I want a new sweater, I want a new pair of boots. But there are things beneath the surface that we all want this Christmas. And I don't know what it is for you, but maybe you're hoping that this is the year. Like, maybe this is the year that, you know, this next Christmas, this is going to be the last Christmas where you're single. And you're hoping that maybe this is the year that you're going to find that someone that you're going to spend your life with. Or or maybe this is the year where you say to yourself, like, I'm really hoping this is the year that that we're going to have a baby. That, that this is going to be the year. And, and you know, like th- this year I'm anticipating this thing. Or, or maybe it, it has to do with a job or, or, you know, something for you. And, and you so want to know that this will be the year that that job, you know, not only is going to put money into your bank account, but you're going to actually like have a job that has purpose to it. And it's something that you enjoy and you love doing. Or, or maybe for you, you, you want to know that this is the year that you're not going to struggle with an addiction anymore or this bad habit that continues to come year after year after year and you keep saying to yourself, like, next Christmas, you know, I'm not going to have to deal with this next Christmas. You know, I'm, I'm going to kick this thing or I'm going to be done with this thing. Or, or maybe it has to do, you know, something in your relationship with God. But we all come with a certain amount of desire to Christmas, don't we? I mean, whether, whether we say we have, you know, a big list for Christmas, underneath the surface, we all have desires for Christmas. We all come with a certain amount of desire, but I think we also come with a certain amount of fear. And in some ways, we sort of fear that maybe this year will be just like last year. You know, we come to this Christmas thinking, I hope that this next year is not like last year. And we come to the table with, with all sorts of desire, but we also come to the table with a great sense of fear. And I think we find ourselves in the middle of this Advent season going, how do I match the two together? You know, how do I take this great desire that I have, and what do I do with the intensity of this fear? And the part of the Christmas story that we're actually going to look at tonight is just that. It's the story of a teenage girl who was engaged to be married, and she had, like, modern Jewish bride, like, strewn all around her Jewish home. I mean, this girl was ready to be married. Like, she had already gone and done all the registering, you know, like, she had sent the invitations out. She was filled with desires and hopes, and, and she did not go looking to find herself in the situation situation that she found herself in. And obviously the person that we're talking about is Mary. And she's pretty well known. In fact, she is probably the most notable woman throughout history, actually. I mean, people have written about her. They have studied her. People have tried to emulate her. There are tons of traditions actually around Mary. In fact, there are tons of faith traditions that worship her and they believe she has significant power. I mean, Mary has been at the center of tons of controversies actually in the church. Mary has been painted. She has, you know, been the the picture of, of artists that have sculpted her. Musicians have written glorious music about her. Historians continue to try to understand the significance of this incredible woman that was the mother of Jesus the Messiah. And many have tried to sum Mary up. And, and a lot of people, you know, when they try to sum Mary up, they try to picture her as this, like, this gentle and this quiet and, and this compliant, wonderful servant of God that obeyed the angel Gabriel. But Mary... 
She was anything but compliant. The Mary that I imagine was anything but quiet. In fact, when the world first meets Mary, they meet an ordinary Jewish teenager, and she is called to an extraordinary task. In fact, if you brought your Bible, I would love for you to open it up to Luke 1. And this is where we first have an encounter with Mary. Luke 1, verse 26. And if you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. We're going to actually put it up on the side screens for you so you can see it. But this is our first introduction to Mary. It's in Luke 1, 26 through 38. And it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. And I absolutely love this introduction to Mary. And more importantly, I love the introduction to Mary and the angel. And I love how the scriptures say that Mary, it says actually in here, that Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's greeting. And I think that sometimes scripture doesn't go into clear enough detail because I try to picture, you know, an angel walking into my living room. I would not be greatly troubled, you know? There would be a whole different depiction if I were to be the woman chosen in this story. If they were to write about my encounter, if the angel came walking into my living room, it would not just say something like, I was greatly troubled. I mean, I think it would be something like, woman screams in holy terror. She passes out. Ambulances are called. When she comes around, she starts freaking out. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have a baby. Angel leaves. God has to pick a new woman. Like, th- that's, that's how it would go down for me. Like, if, that, if I was chosen as the woman to be the mother of Jesus, it would not just sound something like, and she was greatly troubled. I mean, I would be way more than greatly troubled in that situation. But not Mary. In fact, uh, Scott McKnight, who's an amazing author and theologian uh, right up at North Park Seminary, he wrote this great book, and it's called The Real Mary, and it says this. We take Mary consenting to the angel's words for granted. We need to consider her context, what it must have been like for a first-century teenage Jewish woman to trust God, and what it would have been like to tell this conception story, first to her family, then to Joseph, 
and then to others in public. When we consider this context, we will come into touch with Mary's real faith. And Mary's real faith is a picture of somebody walking right into fear. You see, to trust God in this situation was to be unbelievably courageous. And I think many of us have a backwards picture of what courage looks like. We tend to think of courage as people that have no fear at all. You know, when we think about somebody that is filled with courage, they're willing to do anything, we sort of like get this picture in our mind. It's like this combination of like Jack Bauer and sort of like Mother Teresa all wrapped up into one. You know, like, the, like this unbelievable depiction, which would be an awesome television show, Jack Bauer and Mother Teresa. It'd be fascinating. But I mean, we think about people that have no fear at all. Or if they have fear, they don't show that they have fear. We don't tend to look at a woman like Mary and think of her as being unbelievably courageous. But that is exactly what she was. Because to simply trust God in that moment was a step of unbelievable courage. And what Mary did is a stunning picture of a teenage girl willing to walk into her fear. Because courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the realization that there is something more important going on. Did you get that? Courage is not the absence of fear. I think far too many of us think that a person of courage has no fear. And courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the realization that there is something more important going on. And oftentimes, it's something going on beneath the surface. And that is exactly what Mary was somehow very aware of in that moment. She was aware that something was going on beneath the surface. Something very important was happening. And that something allowed her to walk into the fear. And she starts her journey as the mother of Jesus by saying one of the most courageous phrases, I believe, in all of Scripture— we just read it. It's found in Luke one thirty-eight. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And that tiny little phrase, those three small little words, may it be, they may not sound very courageous, but they are truly some of the most courageous words ever uttered in the scriptures. Those three small words were probably, for Mary, the most courageous words that she had ever said. Because when she said those words, what happened was she released herself completely into God's plan for her life. And utterly, utterly what would happen, God's plan would lead her to being misunderstood one day. God's plan would lead her to being talked about. God's plan would lead her to being marginalized. God's plan would probably utterly confuse her fiancé in a few hours. God's plan would put her in the posture of raising a baby that would then one day become the savior of the world. God's plan would force her to have to watch her son, the son that she loved and raised, one day carry a cross to his crucifixion, saying, may it be as a teenage girl to the angel of God that stood in her living room, was one of the most courageous acts in all of scripture. And my hunch is that when Mary was in that moment, there were a lot of other things that she wanted to say. 
There were a lot of other responses that she probably ran through her head that she wanted to say. Because when we are face-to-face with fear, most of us, if we're honest, we don't desire to walk into it, do we? I mean, when we're in a situation of fear, I don't know about you, but I tend to want to go the other way. When I'm up against fear, for me, I tend to try to find an escape route. I try to find a way out. I try to close my eyes. I try to pretend that the situation isn't even going on. Very rarely do I actually go, there's fear. I want to walk into it. For me, when I'm in a situation of fear, I tend to want to bolt. I tend to want to go the other direction. And fear can seem paralyzing at times, can't it? And anything from like the fear of spiders to the fear of being alone. There's a whole gamut when it comes to fear. And fear is very real and it's very scary. And every one of us at some point in our life has probably experienced fear. And unfortunately, you'll probably experience it again. Because fear is real. You will have fear. I will have fear. In fact, in some ways, you and I were actually created this way. Fear, in a strange sort of way, is actually a part of our design. God actually wants us to have healthy fear. You know, like the kind of fear that if you were walking in the woods and and you saw a bear, the kind of healthy fear that would cause you to say, I should not go up to this bear. I should not pet this bear and try to bring this bear home. But the kind of fear that would cause you to say, I should run the other direction. That's good, healthy fear. And every one of us should have that kind of fear. But it's the unhealthy fear. It's the uncontrolled fear that seems to cause so many of us such great pain in our lives sometimes. The kind of fear that can actually lock us up in an emotional prison. The kind of fear that causes us to wonder, is life ever going to get better for me? The kind of fear that can stunt our growth with God. The kind of fear that can cause us to want to hold on so tightly to control that we never actually release our lives over to Jesus. The kind of fear that can cause us to take life into our own hands. And I have struggled with this kind of fear. I know what this is like. I've experienced this in my life, and I've seen it at work in the lives of others. I have a dear friend that battled with infertility for the past few years. And I watched her wrestle back and forth, back and forth. Every month, hope would grow, and she would have this desire, like, maybe this is going to be the month. And then it would be dashed. And that kind, of, that kind of fear that comes, is God good? And is this going to happen? I have another friend that had to face some really significant forgiveness issues in his life. And someone had caused him a ton of pain. And he was so afraid that if he walked into the forgiveness, that if he actually moved towards this person that seemed so much like his enemy, they would give justice to the pain. And so he he was crippled by this fear and and didn't want to walk into offering forgiveness. I have another friend that so desperately wanted to be married. And she found herself every single year another invitation coming. Another invitation coming. And she continued to to find herself at the wedding instead of experiencing the wedding for herself. And that fear inside of, am I going to always be alone? I have another friend that walked a difficult road with cancer 
and he thought that he was in remission. He thought that he had got this clean bill of health only to go into the doctors and for them to say that it started to grow again. I know of countless people that have found themselves in this struggle with the economy and they've either lost a job or, or they've never gotten a job and you know they at, once t- at one time had really thick bank accounts that were far in the black and, and now they're teeter-tottering to barely being filled each month. And that fear of, you know, is it ever going to get better? Is it ever going to improve? Or, or is this how life is going to stay? And these are the kinds of situations of fear that are really hard, really hard for someone to say, like what Mary said when the angel of the Lord was standing in her living room, may it be. You know, when you think about those kinds of situations, from infertility to cancer to the loss of a job, to having to face forgiveness. Those aren't the kinds of moments where you find yourself saying, you know, I'm just going to say, may it be, Lord. I'm just going to welcome this into my life. I mean, those are scary situations, and none of us wants to be in that. None of us wants to say, may it be to infertility, or may it be to, to painful forgiveness, or may it be to loneliness, may it be to sickness, may it be to financial stress. Those are scary situations, and they include fear. And it's almost like the good and the healthy desires that were represented in those situations, they were almost smashed into the ground and buried so deep that hope has no chance of growing in our lives. And in some ways, this is just like the situation that Mary found herself in. She's this young teenager. She's engaged to be married to the man of her dreams. She's still a virgin. She's well-respected in her family and in her community. And in a matter of moments, an angel interrupts her life and puts her in a situation where her desires are no more. And she finds herself in a situation that she didn't go looking for. And she's smack dab in the middle of fear. And she had good desires you know, these, these were good desires, this relationship with Joseph, this hope of where she was going. But those desires were overtaken by something that she didn't plan for. And the beauty of the story of Mary is that fear did not leave her in that moment. Fear didn't just like magically go away with the angel when he went walking out of her living room. In fact, I don't think when the angel walked out that Mary had this like party and had a happy dance and she like threw out all of her modern brides and like ordered a subscription for Jewish parenting. Like I don't think that happened in the moment. I think Mary experienced more fear because now she was going to have to experience the exact opposite. She now had to tell her family She now had to go to her fiancé and explain that, you know, they had never really, you know, gone past first base, but now she was pregnant. That's confusing. I mean, she had to now deal with an unwanted pregnancy. She had to deal with people in the community talking about her behind her back. I don't think that fear left in that moment. But what I believe happened in that moment She didn't become free of fear, but in some ways she became free from fear. You see, we will never, ever, ever be free of fear, but we can be free from fear. See, when you face your fear with God, you can be free from fear. 
And that, I believe, is what gave Mary the ability to say, may it be. And the incredible thing is that this book, from cover to cover, is filled with men and women that are up against the ropes of fear. I mean, they were in scary situations. They were in the kinds of experiences that many of us, if we were in them, we would bolt. We would run the other direction. We would not go anywhere near the situations that the men and women of Scripture find themselves in. And God interrupted their fear on a regular basis, and he regularly said throughout the Scriptures, do not be afraid. It is the most consistent commandment uttered throughout Scripture. Do not be afraid. You can literally go from Genesis to Revelation, and it is the phrase that is most repeated throughout the Scriptures. Do not be afraid. God knows that we're going to be dealing with fear. You're never going to be free of fear, but you can actually be free from fear. The kind of freedom for fear, like my friend that I told you about that battled with infertility for the past two years. Fear was all around her life. And do you know what's so amazing? She found a way in the middle of that to become free from fear. And do you know what's happening on Christmas Eve? Her and her husband are getting on a plane and they're flying to Ethiopia and they're picking up a brand new baby boy and a brand new baby girl. And what they had so hoped for, God had a different story. God had a different story. There was something more important going on. You know, kind of, the kind of freedom from fear that I'm talking about is, is like my friend that I told you about that didn't want to face forgiveness, this person that had caused so much pain in his life. And instead, he stepped into offering it. He stepped into the scary situation and offering forgiveness. And do you know what he found in the situation? That God had more freedom that he wanted to give to him. That it wasn't about the justice of him being right in the situation. It was actually the freedom that God wanted to bring into his life so that he wouldn't be bound up by this painful relationship anymore. The kind of freedom from fear that I know many have found in a struggling economy Realizing that sometimes actually having less in the bank account actually brings more freedom. It can actually allow you to realize where all of those things come from and you can steward it in such a way where you really can learn to live on less and give away more. Or the kind of freedom from fear that comes from choosing to trust God instead of leaning into your own understanding as to how situations need to go down in your life. Every one of those situations required great courage. And remember what we said, courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the realization that there's something more important going on because we will never be free of fear, but we can be free from fear. And the reason that I know that is I have experienced that kind of freedom in my own life. I've experienced the kind of freedom that comes um, when not an ounce of me feels courageous and God is calling me into doing something courageous and I decide to trust truth instead of my feelings. I've experienced the kind of freedom that comes when I trust God even in the midst of having tons and tons and tons of questions. 
I've experienced the kind of freedom that comes when I choose to humble myself and when I've hurt somebody. And instead of staying prideful and strong, instead saying, I'm really sorry, will you forgive me? I've experienced the kind of freedom that comes when I choose to say I don't know instead of acting like I do. This is the kind of freedom that God wants to give us when we actually walk into our fear. It's the kind of freedom that he wants to give us so that we can be free from fear. And lots of times in my life, I can look more like someone just trying to get free of fear, trying to sort of shake it off with some sort of self-help mantra or writing above it with perfectionism. But after all that energy is exhausted, fear oftentimes is still there. It's still there. And it's until we actually find in a relationship with Jesus that we can actually be free from fear. See, Jesus is actually how we will find freedom from fear. So that fear doesn't have power over us, so it doesn't keep us locked up or shut down. And this is the kind of courage that Mary exemplified throughout her life, from birthing her son in a stall to standing by the foot of his cross at his crucifixion. Mary is a picture of courage. She's a picture of a teenage woman that found freedom from fear. Mary experienced the truth that is available to each of us. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. And it's the perfect love of Jesus that brings us into that freedom from fear. It has this way of driving out power that can, that can just sometimes like fall over us in situations. It can bring, bring peace to stressful situations. It can bring clarity to the middle of confusion. It can make sense out of chaos at times. And that perfect love is available to anyone that wants to welcome it in. And sometimes even welcoming it in can be scary. In fact, I want you to, uh, for a moment, hear the story of a woman that is actually in the journey of welcoming in that kind of love in her life. And she's being courageous, and she's stepping into the scary places in her life. And she's, she's welcoming in the fear so that maybe she can even find freedom from the fear. This is Kristen's story. Take a look at this. My name is Kristen, and I have lived in Chicago for over 10 years. I work as a makeup artist and an esthetician in the city. I live in Logan Square. I come from an Irish, Catholic, Polish family, so I was raised Catholic, and I went to catechism and received, my, you know, was baptized, confirmation, and that, then it was our choice in the family and I think most of the households you're in high school you're driving your own car you get to choose and I would say nobody chose to go back <laughs> but now I am still open I'm open to actually exploring um, religion and really making something become more of a part of my life on a regular basis 
I found out about Soul City through a close friend of mine. She heads up a women's book club meeting. I was here from the first one and I continue to come back for that. I see how having a faith really works in her life and for her. And I'll get there slowly but surely, but I like it. I like what it's, I like the message and what it's done. And I'm looking for something that brings me comfort, security, you know, the lonely times you have in your life or where you've just spun in your head so many times or you can't call that friend again with yet the same problem. But the idea of surrendering to religion, Christianity, or even the help of God or allowing God to be in my life, um, I find to be very scary. I think just giving up control or surrendering, I feel like surrendering in my heart, like giving my heart, which I don't do easily. And I think even for God, it's scary, just giving up all of what I think is my control in my life. So it would be hard, but I'm open. I, I feel like I'm taking baby steps, baby steps towards opening to the idea of Christianity. Facing fear is just that. It's taking baby steps. It's putting one foot in front of the other. And my hunch, in some ways, in that living room, Mary was straight up terrified. Straight up terrified. And there was this moment where she had to decide, am I going to remain overcome with fear? Am I going to continue to be, uh, you know, constantly afraid? Or am I going to choose to step into this perfect love that says that I can be free from fear? And I don't know each of the situations that are going on in our lives. I don't know the, the unique stories that are going on beneath the surface. But my hunch is there's something you're afraid of. The reason I have that hunch is because you're human. And humanity will always struggle with fear. But the beauty in a relationship with Jesus is that we can actually be free from it. And I'm not sure where you're at, but, but like Kristen in that story, in some ways she is starting, without even saying this, she's starting to utter that phrase that Mary uttered. And Luke, she's starting to begin to say, may it be, may it be. And in her own words, she said she's taking baby steps. And I wonder if tonight, maybe you need to start to utter that phrase. To whatever that fear is in your life. You know, earlier today, I was praying for our time, and I was praying for, for this talk, and, and I just got my journal out, and I just started praying for my own life of, of the fears that I struggle with. This is what I started to pray God, there are parts of me that want to say everything but may it be. But I'm praying that you will actually give me the courage and the faith to not be free of fear, but instead to be free from fear. God, I don't want the fear of the future, the fear of finances, the fear of the unknown, or the fear of not having the answers to have any power over my life anymore. 
So God, I pray that you would bring me freedom from those fears. And it was just a way for me to sort of declare to God, I don't want to have fear be this thing that has power over me anymore. I want to be free from it. And the only way that I know how to do that is through Jesus. And my hunch is that some of you need to start to pray some of those similar kinds of prayers. Maybe it's just saying, you know, may it be to one small area in your life to think through what it is that uh, you struggle with. What is, the, what is the fear for you? The situation that you don't know the way out of. The worry that has control over your thoughts. Maybe the step that you need to take in your relationship with Jesus. The place where you need to seek forgiveness. That addiction or that habit that has had far too much control and power over your life for far too long. The fear that controls your thoughts. The risks that you're so afraid to take and fear has so much control over it and you know that if you were to just step into the risk that it would be such a great thing but you're so afraid to actually step into it. And so what I want us to do tonight is to actually experience the kind of prayer that Mary prayed, that may it be kind of prayer. And so what I want to ask you to do is actually to just close your eyes and to to bow your head for a moment. And we're going to pray this kind of prayer. And whatever it is that maybe comes to your mind, whatever it is that you continue to find yourself in the middle of fear around, maybe just bring that to Jesus right now. God, we just want to come to you. And God, we want to first start by saying that the thought of saying may it be for some of us is very scary. And we just confess that to you. We bring that to you. God, we want to ask that you would remind us that oftentimes in the middle of fear there is something else that's going on something that we can't see, something that you are trying to do. God, for every one of my friends here in this room tonight, I pray that you would remind them that in a relationship with you, Jesus, we can be free from fear. And so God, I pray that you will help us to know that when we face fear, we can still say, may it be, that when we struggle and doubt, that we can still say, may it be. That when we are tempted to cover up, to stay in hiding, that we can emerge and be honest and say, may it be. That when we sense the Spirit of God calling us to new adventures, that we can say, may it be. God, I pray desperately that you will make this the kind of church, that you will make Soul City Church the kind of church that does not stay bound up by fear. But God, that you will just release unbelievable freedom in this place. That we will be known by our love, 
that we will be known by the fact that we are a people that do not live by fear, but we live from a freedom of fear. God, I pray that you will heal broken marriages. I pray that you will heal broken friendships. God, I pray where there is division, I pray that you will bring unity. I pray where there is fear of finances, I pray that you will bring trust. For my friends that are afraid of the future, and if that future means they will be alone, God, I pray that you will somehow uniquely remind them that you are with them, that you are for them, that you have a future marked for them. For the parents in this room that are struggling, wondering if they're making right decisions, God, I pray that you will give them freedom from fear. For those in this room that are in jobs that they would so like to quit tomorrow, I pray that you would give them freedom, God. And we just want to give you an opportunity uh, to actually have somebody pray for you tonight. And so there's going to be a bunch of leaders um, up here in the front. And if there is uh, just a fear that uh, has had far too much power in your life, and you just want somebody to pray for you, um, and to pray that kind of prayer that Mary prayed, that may it be kind of prayer, I just invite you to come forward and to have them pray for you. I think oftentimes in these kinds of settings, when I'm the one sitting in the seat, I think that I have to have like some like major life crisis going on to go forward and be prayed for. And if I don't, then I really shouldn't go forward. But sometimes it's just so good to have a friend put their hand on your shoulder and pray for you. And some of you tonight just need a friend to put their hand on your shoulder to say, let me pray for you. They're not going to counsel you. They're not going to give you like 10 helpful tips to fix your life. They're not going to introduce you to your future mate. Uh, That's not going to happen. But it may just be an opportunity for you to step out of fear and to actually step into the freedom that can come from saying, may it be. So we're going to just give you that space over the next few moments to come up and to be prayed for, uh, and then we'll worship together.